So again, in, in verse 13, now I, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren. That's his tone of voice. He's not mad. He's calling us brothers and sisters. He, he's loving on us this morning. So I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often plan to come to you, what was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among other Gentiles. So these are non-Jews he's writing to. I'm a debtor to both Greeks and barbarians, both wise and unwise. So as much as is in me, I love that saying, if I can do it, if there's a, uh, an opportunity, I'm available as much as is in me. You see this next phrase? I am ready. I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Okay, so here's our outline. Number one, we want to have a, a heart of thanks. Number two, a heart of encouragement. Because I want to come to you to get you established and encouraged. And then number three, a heart that's ready. A heart that says, I am ready. So, a heart of thanks. Early on, he says, I thank my God. I just love praying for you guys. He's, he, when, it, when, it, when someone with a heart of thanks comes along, I, I say it's like taking a spiritual shower. Now, I take this from Psalm 84. If you're really fast, you can turn there. If not, listen. Psalm 84. Beginning in verse 5, he says, Blessed is the man or the woman whose strength is in you, meaning Lord. They, they get their resources from you. Whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, that's a super dry, desert, barren, empty place. They, they make it a spring. They turn it around. They go from strength to strength. Now, this is what it means. So he says, oh, their strength is in God, meaning they have a legit relationship with Jesus Christ. They're saying, I don't have what I need. You do. Your resources are a prayer way. I'm up to date in my relationship with God. That's the key. And then it says, his heart is set on pilgrimage, meaning this world is not my home. Anybody grow up with that? Remember that uh, old hymn? No? This world is not, don't make me sing it. I'm a Catholic boy. I don't know these songs. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasure's laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Man, I just heard that Spain wants you to wear a mask when you're swimming. And I'm thinking, yeah, the surfers are going to go, oh, I'd go surfing, but I forgot my mask. And this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I, I have toys. I have things that I've accumulated. But they're, you know, no sticky fingers. Lord, they're yours. And so he turns a desert. She turns a desert into a spring. Meaning you're going through the same trials as everybody else. It might be dry. It might be barren. It might just be mundane. But you're faithful. And by doing that, you give people a spiritual shower. So strength to strength, it means they are growing spiritually. So when they hit the valley of Baca, and it's dry and barren, this is such a bummer. No, we're going to grow through this. We, are, we still trust the Lord. So that's that heart of thanks. And he's thankful that he gets to pray for them. Now, Paul had never been to Rome at this point. We know eventually he gets there, he actually dies there. 
But he'd never been there at this point, even though he knows a lot of the people there. He doesn't know them all. And he says, God is my witness that I pray for you all the time. You know why he's saying that? Have you ever done this? Or is it just Bob Presser? Where you go, hey, will you pray for me? This, I'm going to pray for you every day this week. And then you go up to Bob the next week. Sorry, Bob. It just came to my mind. Maybe it's the Lord. I don't know. But then you come, oh, thank you for praying. It made such a difference. I could feel your prayers. And he's gone, I didn't pray. I totally forgot. That's why Paul the Apostle says, God's my witness. You ask him and he's going to go, yes, Bob prayed for you every day. Every day. He's my witness. He said, I pray without ceasing. Now this, that sounds like, do you take a break to eat? Or just, how do you do that? And it's really talking about a tickle in your throat. You know when you're talking to somebody and, <clears throat> and you go, I didn't plan on doing that. It just happened. I, it comes up like that. And he says, that's how I pray without ceasing. So this is how it works. So like this morning, I love doing this. I don't do it all the time, but this morning I just lingered in prayer. And I always have a pen. I'm always writing out my prayers because I'm, I'm kind of space case, float around the universe as I pray. And so when I write it, it has, makes me focus. And I just like lingering there. Lord, who do you want me to pray for? And names come up. Some of you, you know what happens sometimes? A name comes up with a scripture. And I'll text that person, hey, here's a scripture for you. Sometimes they like it. I don't know. Sometimes no. But it says, or, or, or you could just be driving down and getting stuck in traffic. And <clears throat> that tickle in your throat. Oh, and the Lord brings someone to your mind. Even when it could be a picture of them or it just could be a thought. And you go, oh, I need to pray for that person. He's saying, That's, that describes how I pray for you there in that church in Rome. Secondly, so that was a, a heart of thanks. Now we go the heart of thanksgiving or the heart of encouragement, and he has those two E's. So I, I want to come there because I want to establish you and encourage you. The two E's. I love this. So establish means it's the opposite of being unsettled. It's the opposite of being unstable. So I, I want to come there because I want to steadfastly set you. It's the same word used elsewhere for strengthen. So I want to come, I, I, I see you're kind of going back and forth, and I want to come in here and just give you some strength. You know, like a little coach. So you can do this. You got this. You know, this too shall pass. And, and so it's the uh, opposite of being a human yo-yo. You, you know, a yo-yo is extremes. Oh, when God is good, I am high, I'm up. But then all of a sudden, I go through the valley of Baca, I'm really low. And up and down. And man, you just, you're not sure if you want to ask this person how they're doing. Because it might take a half hour to just explain all the crazy stuff going on. And so they're up and down and up and down. He goes, I want to strengthen you. I want you to be established in the Lord. Especially if you're new and you're just kind of getting started with Christ and, and you're just learning about spiritual warfare, how, yeah, you come to Jesus, you got a target on your back. And then the enemy is just throwing darts at you, just trying to, trying to get you to fall. It's the same word as used in Luke chapter 22. Remember when Peter goes, they're at the Last Supper, they're going, Lord, these guys, 
I don't trust them either. They might fall, but I'll never fall. And then Jesus prophesied, <laughs> Peter, tonight you're going to fall. Tonight you're going to deny me three times. But I have prayed for you. Do you know that Jesus prays for you as part of his ministry right now? But he says, Peter, I prayed for you. He didn't say, because you absolutely disgust me, you loser, get out of here. He said, no, I, I prayed for you that when you watch this, when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So he said, it's, it's more than I've returned to church. No, it, I've returned to Jesus. I've returned to this up-to-date living relationship where he gives me living water and he gushed out of my being and says, okay, when you come back to me, he knew it was going to happen. Peter, I want you to go and strengthen your brethren. So that's exactly what Peter did. Give you a little background. They're in the garden, right? Peter fails in prayer. Who hasn't? Who hasn't? You know, I mean, well, but I just had some lamb, some wine. Jesus, I know wants to pray. Give me just a little siesta. And in the morning, I'll be good. No, Peter, now. Now. And so Peter failed miserably, kept falling asleep when Jesus needed him the most. And then he goes on. He, he comes back to Jesus, right? Remember on the beach the three times, do you love me more than these? Yeah. Okay, go strengthen your brothers. So then he writes in First Peter. He's got a great couple of books, First and Second Peter. Our Ohana groups right now are in 1 Peter. So in chapter 4, verse 7, he goes, the end of all things is at hand. Folks, this is written 2,000 years ago. We're closer to the end now than ever before. This place is going cuckoo. It's just, they're, they're, it's getting more and more anti-Christian, more and more anti-truth. And the end of all things is at hand. So Peter goes, therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Peter, not to bring it up, but isn't that where you failed? You're now going to tell me what I need to do? I don't think I'm going to receive from you. He said, no, I want to strengthen you in your prayers. You see the term wounded warrior? Wounded warriors are often the best at strengthening others when they've been healed. And Peter goes, you know, I'm a wounded warrior. I failed miserably. But I'll pray with you now. I'll meet you Wednesday night at the prayer meeting. See if you can keep up. Not a spiritual pride thing, but a, a, a way of spurring you on. He goes, yeah, I learned my lesson. You know, sometimes the greatest encouragement not to get an abortion comes from someone who had one. The greatest encouragement not to commit adultery, someone who who blew it there greatest encouragement to pray someone who blew it there so he wanted to establish them to strengthen them the second e is to encourage them so he says i want to be encouraged together you guys and me and, and then okay how and in verse 12 he says by the mutual faith both of you and me see i'll have a gift and then you have a gift no one has all the gifts Everyone has some gift. And so you go, wait, wait, wait. You're, if you're reading this and you're in Rome 2,000 years ago, I don't think so. How am I supposed to encourage Paul the Apostle? The guy's an apostle. He's a missionary. 
He's a Bible teacher. He travels. He, he just, he's used by God. He's got it totally together. And he's saying, no, I don't. You guys could really encourage me. But you're going to have some boldness, some Christ-likeness, because I want to share my gift, but I also want to receive from your gift. So we talked about this last week in our Ohana group. And the question came up, well, are you a consumer Christian or a contributor Christian? A consumer Christian shows up at church and says, bless me. Well, I, I, I do like to get blessed in church, but that's the only reason they show up. Make me feel good in worship. Tickle me during announcements. You know, give me a, a psalm or a proverb and we're good to go. Consumer is, I just want it, I'm here for me. Contributor goes to the same church. Completely different set of circumstances. I'm not, yeah, you can be blessed. You know, I, I tell people, I am very blessable, okay? But the, the contributor says, I'm here to contribute. I have a gift. Again, no one has all the gifts, but everybody has some gift. And I, I want to look around. So in Hebrews chapter 10, watch this. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So this person comes to church. The word consider is not everyone's in the same place. This morning, I know someone who recently lost her husband. I'm going to consider reaching out to her in a different way from the family that just returned from the mainland after 12 years of being gone and wondering, do I fit in? Am I okay? And then there's another one who, you know, just their, their teenager just ran away. You're, you're thinking, okay, I want to consider you and what you're going through so that I can respond properly to kind of stir up the way a, a baker stirs up those ingredients, the result is that you have love. You have good works. Not forsaken. Do you see this one? Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Okay, this was written towards the end of the first century. Maybe not even that far. Maybe 30, 35 years after Christ died. First century church, and already people are bailing on church. Says some people, they bailed, as is the habit of some. Do you understand how hard it is to come to church sometimes? Or am I preaching to the choir? I mean, if you go by feelings, you go, you know what? No, not today. How hard it is to go to your Ohana group, or to the prayer meeting, or to the mission meeting, or whatever. Just, oh, sometimes it's like, just get there. Just get there. Because there's a tendency, the longer you go as a Christian, the sloppier it is, you can become, the lazier. Instead of full of zeal and love and let's go, let's be a participant, a contributor. Now for some, you know what, I don't want to go today. You got to do with that one what you got to do. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together like some people do, but exhorting each other, exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. That means the day of Christ, when he comes back for us. It's close. It's close. And so we're supposed to increase in this area, not run away. So here's an example. Here's an example of how the gifts work. It's just an example. I spilled milk last Sunday night at our Ohana group. 
And now the gifts of the Spirit start happening. First, the gift of mercy, the gift of compassion. I feel your pain. When I was in kindergarten, I spilled milk, yeah, 90 years ago. Thanks. I'm really feeling the love. Then comes the gift of exhortation. Next time, don't put your milk so close to the edge of the table. You know, listen, they can be annoying, okay? They might be right, but they can be so annoying if they're not doing it in a Christ-like way. And I'm doing this on purpose because so often when you hear about the gifts, you go, oh, it looks good on paper. But there's these human beings that keep getting in the way. So here comes the gift of exhortation. Well, next time, yeah, well, bless you too, okay? And then I have this, the gift of he or she meant well. We call them well-intentioned dragons. Have you ever heard that? I read a book on this. They mean well, but every time they open their mouth, fire comes out. You go, what happened to the hair on the side of my head? You know? and, and they mean well, but what they say is, look, you're in, you're caught. Get over yourself. Oh, I feel so built up. This is, look, it's not perfect. And they mean well, but then you have the gift of administration. Oh, thank you that they come along. And the gift of administration says, okay, you know, Pete, you, you get the mop. And Sally, you get some paper towels. And Steve, you get some more milk. And just it's so clear to them what to do. And then the rest have the gift of service. They just get her done. They get her done. You know, I didn't like how you said that. Just get it done. All right, we had some spilled milk. Now, on my part, on your part, you got to receive it. You got to receive it. He has to say, I, 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 I'm humble. I'm embarrassed. But I sure appreciate the love in this place. I sure love what God's doing. And if I don't receive it, all I'm going to rehearse is that one who said, You're such a clot. You know, get over yourself. And that's not the way to go to bed that night. All right? Now, there's problems with the gifts. All right? The first problem. If you have the gift of administration, like some or several of you do, I'm amazed. Because you go into the most confusing situation possible, and it makes complete sense to you. Just do this, 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 and in 15 minutes, it's all done. But the thing is, you don't know why. If it's so clear to you, how come the rest of the clowns don't get it? And if you have this gift, you think, everybody needs my gift. Everybody should have this gift because it's common sense. It's a gift. It's a Holy Spirit gift. Not everybody has it. Not everybody needs it 24-7, but sometimes we do. Now, to the one who has the gift of exhortation, suppose they come along and exhort you. They might get in your face. You might be here and playing games. And they followed you around this week and go, what? who are you kidding? And they will exhort you, and you go, wow, is, is they, are they mad at me? Because they come on so strong. So yesterday I'm studying in, we have a computer room at our house, and I can hear my wife in the next room going over the tape for this Tuesday night uh, Bible study with the women, with Priscilla Shire. Love Priscilla. Seen her in person, fantastic speaker. But all I can hear is the tone of voice. I can't hear what she's saying, and she sounds mad. Don't tell her that. 
because she loves that class. She loves pouring her heart into it. She's just passionate. But the thing is, when someone's that passionate and there's just no other way, you gotta do this, you go, are you mad at me? No, I'm loving you. But then on the flip side, those with the gift of mercy, and they're trying to have mercy on you, they might be so gushy and mushy, you go, why are you so mushy? I have a mother already. I don't need another mother, you know? So the thing that what I'm saying is, you can find fault with the very gifts or those who are trying to reach you and bless you with their gift, and therefore you don't receive it. Now, here's what the gifts do. And that's why we had that video this morning, seeing, wow, there's so many gifted people. I saw that video, I go, this is a church I want to be part of. So the gifts, you get established. You get established instead of going up and down and up and down. You, you're able to go, I belong here. I fit in here. I have a ministry, an area of service, uh, an area where my heart says, thank you, Jesus, for saving me and giving me an opportunity to bless others. So that's how the, I, I belong here. I fit here. You know? How about this one? We get encouraged and we encourage others too. He says it should be mutual. Have you ever seen this happen? Uh, yesterday we had a kind of a going away party oh, for some people here in the front row and uh, military moving on. And so the guys are eating burgers outside. The girls, I don't know what the girls are doing inside. That's about what. And Eric Federman goes, hey, uh, why don't we just go around and bless this guy? Why don't you just tell him why you appreciate him? Oh, these are men. And Eric went first. And then the next guy. And the next guy. Do you know what happened to this guy? The Navy guy got all mushy and wow, guys, just embarrassed. But he received it. I was in Japan years ago and brought another friend, another pastor, and we're at this meeting. I'm very familiar with this church over there and been there many times. And one of the key guys and his wife were just going to leave. And we're at this meeting at, that, at night, and the guy who came with me goes, um, why don't we just go around the room and tell this couple why we love them? That's all. No strings attached. And I'm always told, oh, over there it's going to be very non-emotional. Don't believe that. Those people were weeping and crying and snot coming out of their nose, kind of weeping, you know. And as we went around the room, the couple finally said, we had no idea that you loved us that much, that you appreciated us that much. And they stayed. That kind of thing should be happening in our Ohana groups. That we're feeling, okay, I, I get to share with people. This is mutually beneficial. Another reason that's good for the gifts is I have a deadline of repentance. What do you mean by that? You should see me on Saturday night or early Sunday morning. <laughs> Lord, I know I messed up. Without making a joke of it, would you cleanse me? Would you freshly fill me? Because I don't want to show up there in the flesh, reeking of Mike Stangle. 
Would you cleanse me and restore me and let them see Jesus? See, when you have a gift, there's this deadline. Okay, you're going to show up. Are you showing up in the flesh or are you going to show up cleansed and restored and filled with the Spirit and ready to bless? Deadline of repentance. So why don't we do it? If it's that simple, well, we have an attitude, let somebody else do it. We go by our feelings. Well, that person let me down. Let somebody else do it. I don't care. That, that by the way, is called disobedience. See, when you're doing the Hebrews 10 and you're going to consider people who might need encouragement, who might need exhortation, and the Lord shows you and then you don't do it, that's called disobedience. Why else don't we encourage people? Because we know we failed. You know, like Peter, who am I to tell them about prayer? What a joke. I failed miserably. Yeah, that was 30 years ago. Get over it. We need, we need an occasional, hey, come on, man. Pray. Get earnest in your prayers. It's the end times. But when I know I failed, when I've said something I shouldn't have, when I thought something or saw something or didn't do something I should have, the sin of omission, I tend to excuse myself where, no, no, no. That's just a cop-out for this one. We need to understand they are grace gifts. They're not bought gifts. Remember in Acts, a guy tried to buy the gifts? We need to understand that they are grace gifts that are given or to be exercised with the ability God gives. So even when I, I'll show up sometimes, some of the best meetings I've shown up, one time I was in Milani before that church was planted. I was doing a Bible study. Fell asleep, almost fell asleep three times on the way up. I was so sick. And uh, we get there, we start, and one guy goes, can I have prayer? I have a tummy ache. Seriously? I wanted to just scream, you wimp. Do you know where I am? No. Instead, we just prayed for him. You know what happened? I got healed. Because that Job thing. When Job prayed for his friends, Job got healed. See, as I, as I minister or serve others, I get ministered too. So, the heart. This one's more quicker than the second one. The heart that says, I'm ready. I love it. I'm ready. And then just fill in the blank. He says he's ready to preach the gospel. Remember earlier he goes in verse 10, I have prayed. God, is there any way that I can do this and still be in your will? In, in Acts chapter 19, he goes, I, I know I got to go to Rome. He, he says, he purposed in the spirit, meaning, I think you want me there, and I'm not losing sight of that one. So he's been praying and praying, God, I want to go to Rome. He goes, okay, okay. Uh, but he didn't go the way he thought. He had no idea what this journey would entail. Uh, well, he started a riot. So he got arrested. He's now in chains, right? Then he gets shipwrecked. Okay, this is answered prayer, right? He gets shipwrecked because they didn't listen to his advice. We can't sail, it's too late, we're going. He gets to this island called Malta, and what's the first thing that happens? Malta. He gets bit by a poisonous snake. He just shakes it off, throws it in a fire. Didn't affect him. Then he's used by God to start a revival on the island of Malta. 
Finally, months later, he arrives in Rome. Answer prayer. Now, so, do you ever pray, God, if there's any way except uh, no storms at sea, no snake bites, no shipwrecks, you know, no, no, no. God, if there's any other way, I am submitted and surrendered to you. Let's land the plane. A heart of thanks. I want you to ask yourself this question. When was the last time I was accused of giving someone a spiritual shower? In the land of Baca. Meaning, you're in a dry spell. You're going through it. A bunch of people are. And you could sit in this, you know, expression session and just spew the garbage. Or you can say, wow, you are a real influence here. You know, my, my granddaughter says, see this girl? She's got 25 million followers. And I'm thinking, following where? I want to be an influencer. They're following me. Hopefully it's to Jesus. And so when's the last time I was accused of being that spiritual shower? Like, wow, I'm so glad you showed up. Man, I feel so cleansed, so good. Remember the way to do that? Psalm 85, get your strength in God. Keep up to date in this real relationship. Realize this is not the world where I'm going to spend eternity. Eternity into a spring. Keep growing from strength to strength. Heart of encouragement. Ask yourself, now this is a trick question. When's the last time that I've received someone's encouragement? simply received it. Uh, you just, it takes humility. Okay, I'm, <laughs> I'll be humble. Uh, it takes, uh, I'm not finding fault with that person. <laughs> Peter, you're going to tell me about prayer. Yeah. King David, to his commander-in-chief, Joab, you're going to tell me about accountability. Right. And then somebody that, you, rather than finding fault with the messenger, you're listening to the message. How about this? You honestly thank God for that person. To the point you're encouraged to encourage others. Mutually beneficial. Finally, a heart that's ready. Who's this for? Who's this for? Because there's this thing in me. Oh, okay, finally. Oh, hey, we're going to get out of here. Wait a minute. Is my heart ready? It's a heart that says yes to God before I know what he wants. So I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm not sure what it is in your life. I'm not sure what, but he'll make it, uh, he'll make it very clear. A heart that's ready, he says, I'm ready to preach the gospel. Gospel of Jesus Christ, which requires salt and light. I was talking to my wife today. Hey, if the worship team can come up, we'll be ready for you. I was talking to my wife today or yesterday about salt and light. Do you know that the current trend is they're trying to define what you believe. There's this bullying, social bullying, that you have to jump through our hoops. You cannot think for yourself. And it's done in this way where uh, if you go against it, you're, you know, you're, you're a hater. Wait a minute. Aren't we called to be salt and light? That's what Jesus said. He said, if you lose your salt, what good are you? So I want to be salt and light. 
I want to be ready to tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. In a nutshell, you were created in the image of God. In the womb, God fashioned you. You had a soul. Actually, your soul had a body because your soul lives forever. Your body doesn't. So in the womb, you were created in the image of God. But number two, every one of us has failed. Everyone has sinned, some more than others, but everyone sinned. So God sent his son to pay the payment for us. We can be forgiven only by God's son. And finally, if we give our lives to him, we will be cleansed, forgiven, we'll have purpose and a promise of life evermore. You know, it could be you came here this morning and you weren't expecting that. And the truth is, it takes the Holy Spirit just hit you in the heart and say, that's you. I don't care how fancy the sermon is or, you know, wonderful PowerPoint or the songs. It's just, it's the Holy Spirit of God saying, it's you and it's time. What I did was simply say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. And what I meant, I'm a sinner. I can't do it on my own. You did it for me. Come into my heart. Let's, let, let's pray. Father, we, we, we're here because we know there's more. We're here. Most of us, we, we know that um, you saved us, cleansed us. You're not done with us. We're still breathing. And we want to go from strength to strength. We want to continue to grow, to fit in to belong, to encourage, establish. God, show us where we fit in. Lord, I pray for those here who do not know you, and all of a sudden they realize your Holy Spirit is showing them to respond, to ask for forgiveness, to surrender to you. I pray you'd help them do that right now.